Thank you for joining us on another season of Beyond Clean, a live podcast where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. Beyond Clean is a podcast that is broadcast out of our studios inside Gym Supply in Orlando, Florida. We're always looking for guests at Beyond Clean, so reach out to me, your host, David Thompson, at dthompson at academyofcleaning.com or call us at 888-999-6059. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, let's get started with today's guest on Beyond Clean. Good afternoon, folks, everyone out there in podcast land. This is Dave Thompson. I am your host for Beyond Clean with Ace. Uh, It's a podcast that we do whenever somebody has something that is healthy, positive, and proactive to say. So, it's a Friday afternoon. It's the last week of the month of October. And I've got somebody on the line today that I think meets the criteria of healthy, positive, and proactive. Ralph Peterson, have I got you on the air with us? You do. I like that little uh, healthy, proactive, and positive. I'm going to have to put that on a shirt. Okay. I can hardly hear you there, so I don't know if it's on me or your Sid, but we'll oh. make sure. There we go. I got you now. Oh. Let me just turn myself up, I think. That's all it is. Yeah, there. there that, that's what we got. We got we. Okay. So, folks, you're in for a little bit of a treat because uh, – I don't know if you've listened to the podcast from Ralph, but I was on his show a few weeks ago. And, you know, I I told you, Ralph, it was hard to put 50 years of my experience in one hour. Yeah. Uh, Let's see how well you do. Yeah. Well, here we go. (laughs) So uh, Ralph is also the author of The Good Manager. I'm sure that some of you have heard about that. He is basically in housekeeping for healthcare, but I got a feeling we can, we can just about talk about anything, Ralph. Yeah, no question. No question. So uh, give people a little bit of your, about your background. I know some of it. You can explain it far better than I. Certainly. Yeah. So um, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I am, I am a, I work in cleaning and I work in the cleaning industry and I have worked in the cleaning industry. It was one of my first jobs, first official jobs was in the cleaning industry. Actually, it's where I got my nickname. It wasn't a, it wasn't one, you know, I remember like when I was a kid, if you were dawned, dawned with a nickname, it was like a cool, like Spike. Spike was a great nickname to have, you know, but uh, <laughs> when it wasn't uh, mine, well, it wasn't mine either. I, I, in, in high school, the kids learned that I was a cleaner at night cleaning the high school. And so they started calling me the housekeeper, uh, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't a compliment. It was a, <laughs> a little derogatory. But you don't think it had the same ring as Spike? Nah, not really. I had a friend though. I had a friend who grew up on a farm, and the the all the other kids in high school tore him apart, and they called him the farmer, and he hated it. He wanted to fist fight everybody. Like he was constantly just mad about the nickname, the farmer. And I was like, Chris, I would take the farmer any day. They're calling me the housekeeper. (laughs) And you still have that nickname. I still do. At some point, at some point I realized the genius of accepting the nickname, the housekeeper. At some point I was like, you know, what's so great about, being in the cleaning industry or, or, or being called the housekeeper is people really underestimate you, right? Like you can get away with not doing very much because, you know, you're the housekeeper, you know, what do I know? And then you could be very surprising when you come out here with a, you know, your genius act or something like, Oh my God. And he's, re- and he's just the housekeeper, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. There's that, there's that famous word just. Yeah. Just, just the housekeeper. Anyway, I, um, when I was, so that was my first, I, that was my first job when I was 15. And it was between my eighth and ninth grade of school. I, the, the town that I worked in or lived in, they had this program where you could get your, you could go to work at 15 with a note from your parents for the summer in some, you know, municipality kind of way. You could do road work, you could fill potholes, you could do all this stuff. And you could go clean the high school. And I don't know why cleaning the high school sounded like it was perfect for me, but uh, that's what I wanted to do. I, I remember you, my mother. You, you, 
Yeah. You were just like I was. That's where I started. But you know what was cool about it? I had the keys to the school and nobody else did. There you go. There you go. That's kind of like I, I didn't I didn't get keys to the school or anything, but I, I did have in my mind that first of all, there was this television show on at the time and, and God, was it called like one day at a time or something, and, and Schneider was the janitor, and he always had that big ring of keys and, you know, like a pack of cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve. I thought he was just the coolest guy, and so the idea of being the janitor was kind of uh, appealing to me. But I really thought, you know, I thought about it logically, and I remember telling my mom, I was like, well, I, I've never been to the high school, and this way I'll at least know where things are. You know, I'll be able to know where the lockers are and the cafeteria. And she's like, you know, that's kind of smart. That's kind of smart. <laughs> so you were you were a leg up when it came for freshman orientation. I really was. And, and this is what got me in trouble in retrospect. I didn't realize it at the time. But when I showed up for day one of high school, I showed up, in, you know, in my brand new, you know, my new, my new sneakers, my new jeans, you know, my new school attire. I, I went through the janitor's entrance i went through the custodian entrance you know what i mean like i i i got i i had to walk to school like everybody else and i walked right everyone was like where are you going i'm like i'm gonna go in this door and they're like oh what's in that door and it's all the other janitors all the cleaners and they're all like ralph good morning hey look at you and you're all your new clothes and so i walk out of the janitor's office and everyone's like does your dad work here? Like, <laughs> you, hey, you owned the, you owned the building and you acted like it, right? I owned the building and I acted like it. Absolutely, and it backfired on me greatly. But <laughs> okay, so fast forward, how many years? Yeah, well, no, 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 just the following year. So the following year, I got my first job where I, I started working for this company doing landscaping. And that was the first time I was offered a position to be in charge. The, the guy I was working for, he was mowing lawns, building retaining walls, painting, you know, just like a really low level or, you know, a general contractor doing that kind of stuff, hiring neighborhood kids. And he just was like, you're a really great worker. I can rely on you. I can just tell you what to do one time and then you go and do it. Have you ever thought about being in charge? And I was like, being, I'm the youngest of four. Nobody's ever put me in charge of anything, right? And so the idea of being in charge, it just went right to my head. And I just once – and here's the thing about being in charge. Once even the, the, the idea of being in – if you let just the idea of being in charge well uh, wash over you, you will be changed forever. And for some of us, not in a good way, right? Like it, it went right to my head. And I – I was, I would, I walked like I was taller. I like I was better. And then he finally puts me in charge. He's like, all right, I'm going to put you in charge. And he had, he had to fire me eight minutes later for <laughs> fist fighting with one of my new employees. So, <laughs> but, but, but I did not see that one coming. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, what had happened though and I re I had no idea at the time, but I, it changed me. Being the idea that I was recognized as somebody who had leadership ability, somebody who could be put in charge, it changed my life. I wanted it again and again and again. I mean, I was like a drug addict except for, for leadership, for management. And every time I got a job, I wanted to know how I could become the manager. How can I become the manager? How can I become the manager? How can I become the manager? And I got, I, I, I would get into a leadership position and I'd get fired. I'm like, damn it. And I'd go get another job and I'd get in a leadership position. I'd get fired. I'm like, come on. And I'd get in a leadership position. <laughs> Hey, folks, if you're, listening, if you're listening to this podcast and recording, you might want to pause right now for a minute, take a breath, do some self-examination. You know, um, I, I'm not sure exactly where Ralph's going with this. I think there was a book here somewhere called The Good Manager. I'm still wanting to find out how that got created now. That's where I'm going. That's the I point. figured. That's hey, I'm just following along here, Ralph. <laughs> That's where I'm going. Uh, so I, I essentially, I, I've been fired from management five times. 
five wow. times I've been fired. I meet people nowadays and I tell them that I've been fired five times for management. And they're like, I've never even been written up as a manager. Like, <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means. I don't know if that means that, um, I think, you know what? I know what it means. I, I was, I, when I was coming up through the ranks in management, I had a very different boss than people who have bosses now. When I was, when I was a kid, I remember when I was 16, or um, 18, I had one of the worst bosses of my life. I had somebody, this guy rode me. I could never do anything right. He was always on. I think he he woke up in the morning and said, how can I ruin Ralph's day today? Like he just legitimately hated me. And I always thought that. And I could never, ever please this guy. Then years later, like 20 years later, I'm working in healthcare. I work in long-term care. And I hear that my that original boss of mine is in one of the nursing homes that i work in and so i go and find him because he broke a hip or something so it's been a long time since i've seen him and i go and i sit with him and i'm like hey frank how you doing it's right he's like oh my god what are you doing here and we have this little catch up and so we're sitting there in front of the nurse's station in a nursing home. And you, if you've ever been in a nursing home in front of a nurse's station, just so you know, there's the employees range from the age of 18 to 60. And the employees are, you know, some are trying to get away with not doing anything. Others are all on their phone. People are spreading rumors. People are cursing. And these are the employees, right? Like it's all this pandemonium if you sit for a minute and listen. And he leans over to me and he goes... I go, or he, he's, we're sitting there, we're watching all this. I go, look at these workers nowadays, huh, Frank? He goes, you were the same way. And I was like, he never forgot. I was like, I was, he goes, I was working in construction when I worked for him. He goes, do you have any idea what it's like to manage a bunch of 18, 19 year old kids, young men who all think they know everything? He goes, you have to be hard and you have to be firm and you have to be on top of them all the time. Or they'll, we, we never got the job done if we left it up to you. And I was like, holy moly. I thought he was targeting me. He was targeting everybody, but not because he wanted to, but because he had to. It's a huge leadership lesson there. A huge leadership lesson. I thought that you're supposed to treat people the way you wanted to be treated. What Frank taught me was you have to treat people the way they need to be treated, which is different. It's different. If you don't have the ability to treat somebody the way they need to be treated, and by need to, I mean, how do you get somebody to get out of their vehicle and get to work instead of smoking or taking extra breaks? We well, have to go sometimes and knock on their window, go, what are we taking a break all day? Get out of the car, right? Like you have to be that way sometimes. Anyway. So I think folks, we finally <laughs> found what it takes to be a good manager, according to Ralph Peterson and his five-time experience. That's right. That's right. You have okay. to you have to treat people the way they need to be treated, which is sometimes different than the way you'd want to be treated. Now, Ralph, I also know that that's not the only book you wrote, and no. I know that you're not only a housekeeper in long-term care. Well, I guess what I was what I was uh, trying to get to is that I have turned from <clears throat> I went from that whole idea of being in charge. So my first cleaning job was as an employee. And then after that, I've always been in the cleaning business as either an assistant or a supervisor or the manager. Like I've always been trying to get in charge, figure out how to be more effective as a manager. And that is really where I come from now. I come from the cleaning business with the idea of how do you own and operate a cleaning company? How do you own and operate a cleaning department? How do you manage employees? How do you onboard them? How do you hire them? How do you check up on them? How do you help them? Because management at the end of the day, really effective management is all about serving your staff. So how do you serve your staff? It's a great conversation. I love it. But that's what I do now. Yeah, well, and, and what you're saying is, is and, and I teach this in some of my classes as well, uh, Ralph, is, you know, cleaning is the easy part. Mm -hmm. Running the business, running the department is is actually, you need to be an HR person. You, you, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing 
that which you figure out when you're when you either own a company or if you're even just if you're and I, I just used the word just again, even if, or if you're the manager, I'm going to try not to use the word, or if you're the manager, the amount of hats that you need to be wearing, the amount of hats you need to be on, you know, the departments and it's there's so much involved in management and in ownership way beyond cleaning to your point. And, and I think what we're talking about this afternoon here on a Friday afternoon is is don't give up. Don't not want to do it. We're just trying to tell you folks that as you listen to this podcast, cleaning is probably the last thing that you do, but it's probably the thing that most managers would like to take a break and go do. Yeah, that's the biggest challenge. What's one of the biggest challenges is my most managers, me included, I would trade any day to go work in laundry or, or to go buff floors. It's way easier than dealing with the attitudes and the aggressive behavior and the write-ups and the reporting and the talking to and the deciding and the figuring out and the. Yeah. Okay, we lost you just a little bit there. Oh, sorry. Uh, and 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 so. You know, whenever you're you're speaking, and I know you do some motivational speaking at conferences and some other stuff. Um, what seems to be the the issue that most people want to talk about after a after a talk or or a meeting with them? Well, I, one of my specialties, one of the things that I've been working on the most is how do you go from super worker to supervisor? How do you get promoted and be effective? And I have five rules, five very simple, very easy rules. And here they are. These are my five rules on how to be an effective super or, or to, to be an effective manager. Rule number one, managers are not allowed to walk by trash. Seems pretty easy because most people, to be in charge, you're probably the type of person who doesn't walk by trash. So that's a pretty easy one. Rule number two, you have to be on time. Which can be a struggle, but trust me when I say, if you want to be in charge, you want to be a manager, you have to be on time, period. And if you want to be an effective manager, you 100% have to be on time. Rule number three, you have to dress. I want to say professionally, but I don't even mean professionally. I mean, you have to dress in a manner that people can just identify you as being the person in charge. They just have to be able to look at you and go, he or she must be in charge just by the way they're looking at you. If you look like everybody else, they're not going to know. I remember I worked on a construction site where everybody's hard hat was a different color. If you were a laborer, your hard hat was blue. If you were a uh, one of the supervisors or one of the job foremen, your, hot, your hard hat was red. And if you were the super of the job, the, you know, overseeing the entire job, your hard hat was white. So as you can imagine, if you ever saw the white hard hat, everybody just kind of like, oh my God, here comes a white hard hat. And if you ever needed something, you'd look for a red hard hat. As a matter of fact, if you wanted to just joke and joke around with your friends, you just wanted to make sure all you saw was blue hard hats, right? And so you could just identify people by the color of their hard hat. That's what I mean. You just have to stand out. So that's rule number three. Make sure that you dress so that you stand out. Rule number four is you have to be visible. To be a, a super worker or, or to be a, a supervisor, be an effective manager, people have to see you and know that you're there. And then rule number five is that you have to be a good worker. You have to be the type of person who gets all their work done, even when you're in management. And so I go through this whole, those are my five rules. And everyone just kind of shakes their head because, well, quite honestly, those rules are what we would want from everybody. That's Those are super worker rules, not really supervisor rules. I mean, sure... You want those to be, a, you want your supervisor to follow that, but you want your, all your employees to follow that. But here's the caveat. Uh -huh. Here's to go from super worker to supervisor. Here's to find out if you have what it takes to be in charge. Cause not everybody does. Here it is. No. Rule number That's one. True. Rule number one is you're not allowed to walk by trash. Managers are not allowed to walk by trash and managers are not allowed to pick it up. Okay, so can I interject? Please. You know, I had a, the opportunity uh, when I worked uh, as a sales rep in St. Louis for a, a distributor uh, for many years, but I had an opportunity to work with Six Flags over Mid-America. 
and they had a policy that anybody could write up anybody if they walked by trash because their their goal for that location was to be the cleanest park in America. Yep. And you talk about putting things to the test. And so as a distributor representative uh, and somebody that they were looking to, I had to follow that lead and I mm-hmm. couldn't walk by trash. Do you, you know, it is not as simple as that sounds. Yeah. And what I'm suggesting is the only way that they are able to make that policy stick is if they told their management team that not only are they not allowed to walk by trash, but they are not allowed to pick it up. Managers that's caveat, should, that, that that's a twist I hadn't heard before. It's interesting. Man, managers should not pick up trash. The I'll tell, let me give you let me give you two caveats. I'll, I'll give you two little. Here's a couple of times when managers should absolutely pick up trash. Okay. Rule number one: managers should all should pick up all the trash that they drop. <laughs> I'll give you that. I'm not going to have managers walking around here just throwing stuff on the floor. Not, not, not we're not talking about I, you that. Know, I, I could, I could just see what was it, Frank, doing that to you? <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I just, I mean, it's a live show, so something hits my brain. I'm liable just to go there, and I'm like, I, I would just, I just was thinking. Oh yeah, you know F- F- Frank would just throw something down and then bust your butt no. to get you. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, okay, that's, so manager's going to pick up his own trash, right? That, or her, right? That his or her trash. Yeah, that's right. right. Pick up your own trash. And number two, if nobody is around, if there's nobody around, you're walking down an empty hallway and there's a piece of trash on the floor. Don't you dare go try to find somebody to pick up that piece of pick up the piece of trash. Those are the only two times. However. However, if I'm walking by a group of employees or an employee and I see a piece of trash on the floor, it is not my job to pick it up. It is my job to say, excuse me, hey, grab that, please. Is that piece of trash right there? 100 out of 100 times, the person is going to claim that they didn't drop it, that they don't know what it's, what it's made out of. They don't know how long it's been there. They don't know who dropped it there. And so therefore, they shouldn't be picking it up. And 100 out of 100 times, most managers will go, oh, that's fair. You probably don't know who, you don't look like the type of person who would drop it. And you probably don't know what it's made of. We have no idea how long it's been there. So you just keep going, I'll pick it up. And what happens, what happens, because that's super easy for a manager, because a manager is a super worker. Keep in mind, a manager is already the type of person who wouldn't walk by trash. It's our default to pick it up. Mm -hmm. If that happens, who becomes the trash picker upper? The manager. The manager will always be and only be the one picking up trash. Managers have to have the ability, the intestinal fortitude, that is the guts to be able to ask somebody to do something that they are not already willing to do. If all my employees picked up the trash after themselves. Anytime they drop something, even a lot of times people drop stuff, they don't even know they did it. It falls out of their pocket. They go to throw it in the trash and somebody calls their attention away while it's in midair and they don't even see that it missed. You know, I'm not saying that people are throwing stuff on the, on the floor because they're intentionally doing it. I don't think that's true either. Right. But if employees simply picked up after themselves Every time they saw something on the floor, half of management wouldn't even be needed. But the truth is, people just won't pick up trash. They simply will claim it's not theirs, claim they didn't see it, claim it's not their job to pick up after other people. Oh, my job. That's not my job. That's not my job. And that's why I like what you're saying about Six Flags. They're like, it's all of our job. That's why I love about that's why I love about Walt Disney World. Walt Disney World says it's your number one job is to create an experience for everybody who spent their whole life saving for the this one vacation. And we're not going to have them come down here and see an empty ketchup packet on the floor. That's that's not the kind of image we want to have. I'll tell you what, the managers at Walt Disney World, the managers at Six Flags, the managers at places like this are top notch. They are they go through a lot of training because it is so difficult. 
And that's the rub. And so every time I'm at a conference, every time I do this speech, I say, hey, I give them the five rules and everybody's writing them down with a smile on their face. They can't wait to show how, oh my God, I have five out of five. I never walk by trash. I always dress professionally. I'm always on time. I mean, that was at one time I was late, but don't bring that up. That was at one time. I always get my work done or most of the time. And I'm, you know, I'm always around. My employees see me all the time. And then I go, oh, and you can't pick it up. And they're like, all of a sudden they hate me. They're like, wait. <laughs> Now, wait a minute. I want you were supposed to say that. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? You, you think I'm supposed to just tell her? I don't know if they dropped it. Well, did you drop it? Well, I know I didn't drop it. Well, all right. Then if you didn't drop it, then somebody has to pick. And here's the thing that happens. I work, like I said, I work in healthcare. I work in long-term care, hospitals, senior care, assisted living. What happens when you have, in, when you have managers who do not insist and by the way, management, it's all about insisting, right? You have to set the tone. You have to set the standard or the standard will be set by the lowest among you. You have to be the highest among us. If you do not insist that people pick up after themselves, your nursing home, your hospital, your sit, it will look terrible. I mean, oh my gosh, Dave, I have, I have so many pictures and people send it to me all the time of of, of healthcare facilities. I'm talking about healthcare. Healthcare facilities are where you're supposed to go to get better. It's where you right. go to get healed. It's where you go to get open heart surgery. It's where you're going to go for somebody to pull back the layers of your skin to root around in there with a stick to make you better. And the place looks terrible. There's trash everywhere. There's used gloves everywhere. There's, it's, and every time you know, I see it, it, it's because of management. You know, here's the th interesting thing. As you're saying this, I think about this. I was uh, cleaning up after my class yesterday, putting things away, as I always do. And I went out to empty my bucket. And in the driveway is a crushed plastic drink bottle. I picked it up. I put my can away. I threw that in the trash and went on. You know, as you say... At some point in our life, these become just the standards of what we do. But I didn't always do that, and I had to learn the lesson you're talking about very early because, yes, as I've went through my career, I've managed people. I don't today, but still do the same thing. I live on a fairly busy street, and uh, my neighbors all have dogs, so everybody's walking a dog. And every other day or every third day or so, there will be a poop bag on my lawn or not on my lawn. It'll be on the road in front of my house. And I have two choices, right? I have two choices. My choice is number one, I can leave it there because it's not on my property and it's not mine. My dog, I didn't leave it there. Or I can pick it up. And the choice really is I can look like the type of person who leaves trash out in front of their house, or I can look like the type of person who doesn't. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, we folks, I want to, I just want to kind of draw a parallel here. We have the Rockstar Custodian Program that we do every year. We are currently uh, in the voting for the eight finalists from around the United States. And we have a criteria. And I heard you going through, you know, number five, and then you broke it down to number one and two of the number first one. And I'm thinking, you know, this is in professional business. We have to have criteria. We have to have rules. We have to have standards of which people are gauged by. And I think that's what we did with the Rockstar program. You're talking about a manager's program. I think this is the cornerstone of professional businesses, professional operations, but it's probably the most lacking in our industry. Yeah. I can tell you, management is management. So there's always a, there's, there's always a question of whether or not managers are made or born. And I gotta tell you, I don't, I don't know the answer. And quite frankly, I hope they're made not born because there's such a shortage there's such a shortage of people who are willing to say, pick me, I'll be in charge, I'll be responsible, which, by the way, is what leadership's all about, saying I'll be responsible, not just for me, but for others, right? That is so rare, so rare. And 
many people who are in charge are kind of fake, you know, like they don't have any ability, which is again, why so many people have such a gut reaction. When I say you can't walk by trash and you can't pick it up. You know, I mean, I know people who would, if the rule is they're not allowed to walk by trash and they're not allowed to pick it up, you can find them still standing next to the trash because they don't have the guts to do anything else. I can't walk by and I'm not willing to tell anybody to pick it up. So I'm just going to stand here. My office is here now. If you need me, I'll be here. I'll be standing by the trip. trash, wherever that's that right. is, that's my right. new office. That's right. Oh, my that's gosh. Right. <laughs> and, and, that's a, and that's a sorry shape of our, our affairs, especially when you think about, Ralph, the labor shortage issue that every facility is having on the planet right now. I, I don't know of any industry that isn't being affected by this. Um, you know, I have to agree with you on the fact that I believe that we learn to be a good manager. And, we, you know, you, as you said, we're, you know, qualifying what a good manager and a manager. There's a lot of managers out there. I would not term them good. Um, being a good manager is a skill that is learned, just like as we put in our Rockstar program, you know, uh, we have a supervisor pr uh, course or part of that. And, I think these are what is learned. I'm not sure if the word made is is right or learned or taught, but I don't think we're born that way by and large. I certainly was not born to be in charge. <laughs> but I was very quickly. <laughs> and I didn't even get it quickly. I was fired five times. And I don't mean five times in five months. I mean, five times in five, six years. Like I, well, I was, I was, I was going to say you very quickly aspired to be. Well, as soon as I got bit by the man, as soon as I got bit by I, being in charge of anyone is a powerful drug it is a powerful and that's what gets a lot of people in trouble that's what it gets kings and presidents and senators that's how they get in trouble they they get in trouble because they get they get that that power over other people and they abuse it they don't know what to do with themselves they're like oh you mean you have to do anything i say and they start coming out with ridiculous requests you know, the, it's, it's, it's kind of like been over the times, time, it, it, our whole history of mankind has been plagued by it. Well, it, it is the, the, the major road bump towards leadership uh, that, that will decide what type of a leader you are as you move through the ranks, you know, above, uh, you know, the first rungs. Uh, if you use the power or you work with the people that you, and I think uh, I, I know another gentleman, Mike Ward, uh, uh, with his book that we took the Rockstar program from, he, he has a section in there, not power over, but power with. Mm, I like that. And I, and I think that's very interesting because there's power in working with your people, but there's a perceived power of working over them. And I think that's the, the, the fine line that good managers find eventually. And I think that's that learned skill. I kind of, I, I, I agree, but, and I don't want to get too far inside baseball because it could, <laughs> it, it just, you know, we could go down such a, such a, because oh, I would, oh, I yeah. would def I would define a good manager as somebody who is effective at getting the job done. And so, right. And, and so the, you could be a, an effective manager to get the job done once, which is okay if you only needed to get it done once. But those of us in the cleaning industry, we need to get yeah. it done today, tomorrow, next week, the week after that. Right? So we have to learn how to get people to, you know, not be a good manager to, to be effective today, but be effective forever, which it, it really kind of tames it down. But I would say is that in my experience, and I would also let me put the caveat here that I I, I am a, a a U.S. Marine, and so I maybe have a little bit of this uh -oh. mentality. What I'm going to be, but what I'm about to say is kind of a little bit in, uh, with my experience in the Marine Corps. Okay, and that is good leaders are like an attack dog that are on a chain, but you don't trust the chain. You know what I mean? Like they're pulling against the chain, but you don't. It doesn't look like it's the type of chain that's going to hold them very long. And 
the, the reason I say that is because on one hand, you have the great worker, the great employee, the good person that, that you want to support and, and serve and help. And then you have the coworker that's with them who could potentially be taken advantage of that good worker. And you, the manager, have to be able to greet and sniff and, and I'm using a dog analogy, greet and, 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 and be happy and, and to one of the employees and bark at the other. And with the goal of getting them both to work in the same direction, you know, so it's. So, so what you're saying is I got to wag my tail and bark at the same time. You really do. You got to, you got to, you got to, you know, the, what is that sheep with a big stick? I don't know. Whatever the. <laughs> something. Yeah. Management. And, 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 well, but the. But these are the things, folks, that we talk about here on the podcast. And you might have said, well, where's the healthy and the positive? Well, the positive is this is something you learn. Not only that, but I have never, I mean, you know, George Costanza aside, I've never met anybody who enjoys working for a company or a manager who get, lets others roll over them who is ineffective, who doesn't stand up for the, you know, for what's right and what's, what's fair. And, you know, that's an interesting thought because uh, we are sponsored by Jim Supply in Central Florida, four locations. And, you know what, they give us the ability to have this podcast, to have the Rockstar program, to have the Academy of Cleaning Excellence, to have Ralph Peterson on here talking about this. And, you know, I really do enjoy working for them because they give me the ability to do what is needed to do with their guidance. Makes, I mean, you know, wait, it sure does make for a better workplace. Yeah. And you're, uh, I'm jealous because I, I, I wish I had a, a, a supply company up here who would let me do their podcast, do my podcast and everything from there. I I, well, and, 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 th and this is the thing that we, this is the thing that we do learn, right? As we, as we mature and we go through, the, you know, as you talked about your history and, and I shared mine with you earlier on your podcast, uh, here we are both. We started, you know, as custodians at the school, you started at 15, I started at 14. You know, we've went through, we've went through management. Uh, I'm not in long-term care, but you know, basically some of the things that you talked about, doesn't just apply for long-term care or hospitals or, or nursing homes or whatever. It applies to, well, most of the cleaning industry. Agreed. Agreed. It, and we work in one of the, you know, I, I would say management in the cleaning industry has got to be one of the toughest industries. Well, because what do we not touch? I mean, we touch, and I say this all the time in my classes, Ralph, you know, there isn't a, a facility on the planet that doesn't need our services. Yep. In some way, some form, I don't care what it is, I don't care where there are in the world, in some form there's cleaning being done, even if it's just a broom sweep, sweeping a dirt floor. Seventh largest industry in the world, the cleaning industry. Also, so I'll follow that up. Do you know, folks, as we're talking here, that the cleaning industry is the sixth fastest growing profession currently today? Only behind Ralph's area of expertise in healthcare. <laughs> Did you know the human head weighs 12 pounds down playing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. now, now I think we're going to, now we're going down another rabbit hole, Ralph. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes we are full of uh, information. I'm not going to say useless I know, because, I know. Uh, but you know, I think this is the interesting thing about what you and I now do. Um, we both speak to people, you know, we, we motivate people, you know, we have podcasts. These are things. Did, did you really think, though, when you were <clears throat> getting fired all those times, that this is where you'd end up? Nope. No, nope, I got to tell you, I, you know, I didn't see that myself. You know, a couple of years ago, I got called to go to uh, the Bahamas and teach a class at a big resort. So I've, I, had to, I had to have a visa. I had to fly international. And people say, oh, you're going to the Bahamas. I said, you really want to go with me? We work from 10 o'clock <laughs> at night to 7 o'clock in the morning. 
Then we met with people during the day. I think we got sleep while we were laying by the pool trying to say, <laughs> oh, at least I laid by the pool. Uh, you know, it was, I mean, it was a whirlwind. But you know what the thing is, though, Ralph? I now can say I've taught internationally, and I never saw that ever coming in my life. Yeah, you know, it's, what's, what's so interesting is if you were to go trace my roots backwards and kind of go forward – it seems so inevitable, like so in line because one of the things, so I, I grew up uh, on welfare, poor, my, my parents were non-professionals. They were, you know, they took all kinds of different jobs. My mom worked in, in nursing homes and healthcare. My dad was a mechanic and, you know, kind of did all kinds of things growing up and money was always tight. And when you grew up in that environment, People look down on you and you almost kind of grow up being the being the, the, the kid who everybody makes fun of at school. And you either I think you come out of that in one or two ways. Either you come out of there really humble and kind of saying to yourself or you come out of there wanting to go to f go fight for everybody who's getting picked on. And that's me. Like I've always just wanted to stick up for anybody else getting picked on. And that's kind of how I feel like with the cleaning industry. Like it's not, you know, it's not always been looked at as a profession and it is and not looked at as something to be respected. And it is. And I'll be damned. I'll be, I'm more than happy to stand up. I'm more than happy to be the one, the mouthpiece to go, you know, this is the seventh largest company. Um, industry in the world. It is growing by leaps and bounds. It, there is professionalism in here. It needs professionals in here. We need good, hardworking people in here, and we should be paying them, all of our employees, a lot more than we are paying them. And we should be respecting people who work in the cleaning industry a lot more than they're being respected, right? So that's, it, from, from, I almost feel like I was raised to be like this, you know, raised to be in this industry, raised to be in the position I'm in. Well, that goes back to what you started to say earlier. No, we weren't born this way. We became this as a product of the environment, a product mm -hmm. of our fortitude, uh, determination. You know, I, I think the Rockstar program, the reason we developed it uh, several years ago, there's no monetary award. And that's what, you know, you see all of these awards for, you know, custodian of the year and all this. And, you know, uh, I, I won't say the different companies that sponsor these, you know, 10, 15, $20,000. They're... Our Rockstar program doesn't have that. It's all about recognizing those individuals that a facility nominated for the criteria that meets the criteria and then getting that community to be aware that this person is regarded as a Rockstar custodian. And it's so rewarding to be able, you know, I've done two podcasts here recently. I've got three next week with these finalists. And to hear their stories, you know, of, of, of determination, of giving of themselves. And I asked them one thing at the end. What is on your bucket list once you leave that building? And folks, I got to tell you, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Go and listen to the podcast because you're <laughs> going to see a very similar thing with these nominees, these finalists. And I think this is what ultimately we're talking about there is professionalism i agree with you 100 percent. we just need more of it and we need to recognize it because this is the value that our industry really has yep agreed so agreed. i'm going to ask you one question go ahead as we finish up our time today what's on your bucket list as you get there personal not business personal all right all right i have two i have okay. two things that i would really like to do uh on my bucket list and one they both seem so ridiculous so let me just no, go no, ahead no, and they're, they're, they're not they're not i know they're not gonna be uh one is to run a hundred mile race i um i really want to run a hundred mile race so that's a that's something <laughs> now, folks, you've got to understand. Now, now, now I, I want to qualify this for everybody that's listening, yeah. uh, Ralph, because you need to look at some of the other things in, in Ralph's history to appreciate the the weight of what he just said. And, and I'm not going to give bum, that bum. out. 
but there's a weight to that. So no, yeah. that's not a small thing. And I, I champion what you're saying. Uh, yeah. So a hundred mile race. Yeah. That's, and the other. That's yeah. And the other is I, I want to get my PhD and I want to get my PhD in organizational development. And the reason that I want a PhD, let me say the reason I want to study organizational development is because I am, let me say it this way. I am on a mission. I have a true burning desired mission to help people become successful in management. And unfortunately, there is about a two-thirds attrition rate in first-time managers. First-time managers fail seven out of 10 times within the first 90 days. And that is a terrible, that means we take our our super worker, the person that we wish we had a ditto, you know, a ditto machine with where we could just keep making, I wish I had 10 of you. I wish I could Xerox a million of you, right? We take that employee, the one we love so much, and we promote them into a leadership position. And in seven out of 10 times, we're going to have to let them go in 90 days. I mean, it's a terrible statistic, terrible statistic. And I really want to figure out how, what's the best way to make that not happen, what's the best way? Here's the big question I would love to have the answer to. And I'd love to research and come up with my own answer, by the way. That's why I want to do the PhD program. It's because you get to research and uncover and actually come up with your own thesis for this. But how does an organization take an employee in at the very lowest level? And then what can the organization do through programs and education and resources, get that employee to in three, four, 10, 15, 20 years, become the CEO or or just become a manager? How do you go from high school graduate or or high school dropout like me and become an effective manager in three to five to 10 years? What can an organization do? I know what the individual has, the individual has a lot to say too, but I think if an organization, I think there's a lot of organizations that do a great job at this. McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, Walmart, Target, Best Buy. I mean, these companies have amazing management development programs. You literally can give somebody a 15-year-old a job at a a Burger King or a McDonald's, and in 10 years, they can be running a $15 million operation by themselves. That is amazing how they do that. That's what I want to figure out. How do you, what are the, what are the best practices that companies like mine, I work, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I own a cleaning company, you know, how can cleaning companies take, we get, we get high school dropouts, we get 16 year olds, we get 18 year olds, we get people who want more to do more, to be more. They want to provide more for their family. They want to have a, a better place to live. They want to have, be able to afford to have their kids go to some nice schools and to get, you know, all that stuff. So how do you get them to go from, the, the, the early entry cleaner to starting their own successful business or, or running their own successful department or managing at a better, like what are the steps that the employer can do? That's what I'm really interested in. So that's my second piece, run hundred miles and get a PhD in organizational development. There it is. Wow. Folks, I got to tell you, stay tuned because I have this sneaking suspicion that Ralph Peterson is going to get what he wants. Yeah, I pretty much work my tail off to try to anyway. (laughs) I'll guarantee that I'll be trying. I've been trying. I've been working. We'll see if it happens. Okay. So, uh, folks, we're going to tell you that here on a Friday afternoon, it's now afternoon, um, we've went through a whole lot of stuff. How do they get hold of you? Ralph and uh, what? Hey, you've got a podcast, so let's uh, plug that too. Yeah, I do. My podcast is called The Housekeepers Podcast. And you know what's so funny about my podcast called The Housekeepers Podcast is I literally named it after me because I have been my whole life called The Housekeeper. And so I'm like, I'm just going to call it The Housekeepers Podcast. And I can't tell you how many people I asked to be on the show and they're like, "Uh, we're a commercial cleaning company. We're not housekeepers. I was like, oh, yeah, um, I'm the housekeeper. <laughs> it's my podcast. <laughs> it's so funny. I have to explain that to people. We do get hung up on words. But, hey, we even really though it do. is, folks, go to the Housekeepers Podcast. Yeah, uh, housekeeperspodcast.com. Yeah. 
maybe you can get on there like I did, and then maybe you can start your own podcast, turn around, and uh, do what we just did. Uh, I you said you own a cleaning business too. Yeah. So actually, I'm in the education side of things. So I teach cleaning to two different groups. So if you are if you own a commercial cleaning company now. And you either do work in healthcare, you do clean hospitals, nursing homes, and senior care, or if you want to, reach out to me. That's what I do. I teach cleaning companies how to both get into healthcare and how to expand, if you're already in healthcare, how to expand even further through sales, through marketing, through operations, how to manage, how to train managers, how to operate inside of a long-term care facility. It's the need for for professional cleaners and healthcare is at an all time high. I mean, if you haven't considered healthcare, cleaning healthcare, you should consider cleaning healthcare because it's a it's a big thing. And, and then on the other side, get hold of you on what website? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's Ralph Peterson. Just ralphpeterson.com, and you can just email me at ralph at ralphpeterson.com. Either one of those. Yeah, and then the other the other piece of education that I do is I train managers and I train managers in healthcare. So <laughs> there it is. Ralph, a business strategist it, and a manager trainer. It's been a great pleasure to have you here. Uh, as we said, folks, we are sponsored by Gym Supply in Central Florida. We are the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. The podcast that you're listening to today is Beyond Clean with Ace, all one word. We are live on Podbean Live. So, you know what? If you join one of our uh, podcasts, I saw some people come on and off today, didn't want to connect. But you know what? Sometimes people come on live and we talk with them too. And hey, sometimes they're even the host of the next show. So if you have something that is healthy, positive, or proactive, maybe all three, we want you on the show. Maybe you can talk like Ralph Peterson. And I think that maybe... Ralph and I have more to talk about sometime later. Absolutely. Go to www.academyofcleaning.com. You can find all of our links. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. Yeah, we're everywhere, just like everybody <laughs> else these days. Yeah, yeah. Don't go through the whole list of them. Um, engage with us. The most valuable resource an operation has is an engaged employee. Please let that be you. Until next time, thanks, Ralph, for being on the show. Thank you, Dave, so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun.